Welcome to another episode of Becoming Referrable, the podcast that helps you be the kind of advisor people can't stop talking about. I'm Julie Littlechild, and on this week's show, Steve and I are speaking with Lisa Kirschenbauer. Lisa is the president of Omega Wealth Management, and if you've attended any industry conferences in the last few years, you've probably heard her speak. She's very much in demand. There are so many things that we could have talked to Lisa about. We wanted to focus on the things that set Omega apart, and we're excited to talk to her about some of the very specific decisions that she made about her business. We dig in on a few key areas, starting with their focus on life planning and transition support, how that works, how it influences who's right for their business, and the impact that that approach has had on their level of engagement and growth. And we get very specific on how Omega charges on the three ways that they package their offer to make it relevant for clients with different needs and on the processes they've put in place to make all of that work. We also talked to Lisa about the five essential skills exceptional advisor. She's written and spoken on this topic extensively and it provides something a roadmap to assess where you are today and if or what you might need to improve because let's face it, we all need to improve on something. And with that, let's turn to the conversation with Lisa. Well, Lisa, welcome to Becoming Referrable. So happy to have you here today. Welcome, Lisa. Oh, hi, you guys. I'm so happy to spend some time with uh, both uh, both of you. Um, looking forward to our dialogue today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I have certainly followed a lot of what you've done and ran into you at a conference recently, and we were catching up and thought, we've got to get you on the podcast. <laughs> it's like, stop Aww. talking to me. I want you to talk to everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> But um, hey, look, before we dive in, there's a bunch of things that I know I'd love to cover today. Can you just give us a little um, introduction to Omega Wealth Management and the work that you do? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've actually been in the financial services industry, and I'm clear about industry since 1985, Um, had my own firm um, since 1999. So we're celebrating our 20th anniversary this year. Thanks. Um, And I've been fully independent, um, fee only since 2000. For that's normally important, and that'll be important in some of our conversation about life planning and how that came in. Mm. Um, I have 16 members and a summer intern right now, um, and uh, so three of which three of us are advisors working directly with clients. We have about a hundred clients. We just uh, did a small acquisition of a group in um, New York, um, and the work we do um, I think focuses on uh, two areas, um, which is financial life planning and financial transition management. And I know we're going to talk more about that. We work with a lot of entrepreneurs and people in significant transition, like um, inheritance, stock options, retirement, um, uh, divorce on the back, and um, and and those kind of and, and biz- sale of a business. Um, so that's that's really where our focus is. Well, let's talk a bit about that. So, life planning and transition. You mentioned clearly two big themes in your business, and they're and they're big concepts. And I often wonder if. Uh, you know, we hear about these things a lot, but I don't know if we always dig into them enough. I think it would be really interesting. Can you maybe talk to us first about uh, 
maybe what life planning is in, in your definition, by your definition, why you focus there and, and maybe even just how that compares to financial planning. Yeah, I, I'd love to because um, I think this comes up as a question both for advisors and planners and for clients. In fact, I've been um, in a dialogue with a prospective client over the last couple of weeks about this exact issue. So let me just say that, um, you know, many of us out there who've been trained as CFPs do what I would call comprehensive financial planning. And that's, you know, cash flow planning, tax planning, investments, insurance, retirement planning, education, funding, estate, insurance, that whole thing. That's comprehensive. Now, I, I can tell you some people call that holistic planning because to them it's more than investment management you know looking at your whole picture but to us that's just comprehensive planning that's what I was trained to do as a CFP many moons ago um, and and I think there's you know a growing body of advisors and planners who are doing that work um, now you see lots of commercials on TV and they talk about a holistic approach to me that's where we get into really life planning and that that's the work I've been trained to do since about 2004 um, and we can talk more about that training in a minute. But um, to me, um, we utilize uh, a lot of both the, the Kinder Institute of Life Planning, George Kinder um, tools and questions, as well as uh, Susan Bradley's um, Sudden Money Institute, Financial Transitions um, Institute tools and process. Um, and all of that work dives a lot deeper um, uh, in dialogue and, and exercises and conversation with clients about what are their deepest values? What is truly most important to them? If they could live the life they really want to live, what would that look like? And often that, when a client gets into that discussion with us, it's much different than what they walked in thinking they were supposed to do, should do, um, should be planning for. And 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 often it's emotional. Um, and uh, often they're sharing things that they've been carrying around for many, many years, but haven't been able to achieve. Maybe it's a complete career change um, into a, a very different direction, or maybe it's it's living very differently in their lives, really integrated with their values. And, and then the idea is financial life planning is where we integrate those two things. So I always like to say what we do is financial life planning. You know, I know I think Mitch Anthony um, talks about that um, because it is about money too. We're not just life coaches. Um, we really are integrating the, the personal and the financial sides of our clients' lives. And for our business owners, we're integrating the personal and the business sides of their lives together. Um, and so it's comprehensive. It's all the things you know about as far as traditional financial planning, but it adds this depth um, and intimacy to the work that we do. And, and so it's interesting, you mentioned that it goes deeper, and, and I think it clearly would. If I come and meet with you, and do I sit down thinking, okay, we're going to, I've got my statements here, and I'm ready to talk about my money, and then find myself going down a different path, a different way of questioning that's deeper? Uh, I mean, how how do you do that? How do you make that transition to the deeper conversation? And, and what's the, the, uh, uh, the reaction and impact for the prospective clients in particular that you're talking to? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a great question. So we really try to be careful that we're not blindsiding people. And only, the, honestly, only the prospective clients who have been really clued out, not listening, not reading anything we send them, didn't go to the website. That, that never happens. <laughs> never happens. Um, they, get, they get a little blindsided. But everybody else, we actually take a lot of care to prepare them for what they're walking into. So it starts when we get a, you know, we get a lead. Um, and actually, this is something we'll want to talk about. Most of our new clients come completely blind off the internet. 
that. Um, oh. And so we need to talk about that a little bit. Why is that happening? But um, so they come, you know, like we get an email, we get a phone call. They want to talk to a planner. You know, first thing we ask them is, have you been on our website? And so if you go to our website, I think for anybody who goes there, it's going to be pretty obvious what we're doing is different. Um, we look a little different. Our whole website has a different look and feel. It just feels a little more touchy feeling. Um, and it clearly lays out what our two different um, niches are. So that's the first place. Um, and then we talk with them on the phone to screen to see if, you know, hey, is this really going to be a good fit? Do they understand the work we do? Our business model is different. Um, you know, are they, are, are they willing to engage? And even then, they may still not get it. So we send a package of information if they're going to come in and meet with us that talks a little more about our process, um, actually has the Kinder, uh, George Kinder, three questions in the back. Um, and most of the client, most of the prospective clients actually do at least take a peek. Some actually go ahead and fill it out, which is awesome. Um, but many of them just look at it. And so we know that if they keep the appointment, um, they know they, they have a sense of what they're walking into. They really don't know where this is going to go and that they're going to end up with a vision statement and, and what direction they're going to be. But they at least know that we're not just going to be talking about the money. And in fact, you know, we ask for feedback every year from our clients. And one of the things they all say is we really appreciate that it's not just about the money. It's about us as people personally, what's important to us. So, so if they get that far, we know that that's, they like that and it's successful, but you know, the key is that we prepare them um, before they come to us so that um, really they aren't blindsided. And Lisa, you were just saying that um, you send them information about, about the two sides of your business and just clarify for me what those two sides are. Um, so I actually on our website, Steve, um, if you go to our website, omegawealthmanagement.com, what you're going to see is um, that we have, you know, um, are you an entrepreneur or are you someone in oh, transition? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's pretty obvious. These are our specialties. Now, do we end up with people who maybe are contemplating a future transition like retirement, but still want to work with a more holistic, comprehensive planner like us and want to come on board now? Yeah, sure. Um, and we tend to draw specifically people insignificant um, transition. And so you, you, you've been in the business for a long time. And then in, in 2004, you started working on, on the uh, life planning training. And so making that move from the traditional kind of planning over into the life planning, what, what has been the impact on your business after, after making that transition yourself? Um, well, I think it's a couple of, uh, of things, Steve. I think, you know, both practical and then, you know, I'll say the profound side. So on the, the practical side that um, because we develop this quite intimate relationship with our clients, and it's not like we're friends with our clients. That's really important. I know there's a lot of advisors who, you know, I play golf with and I go out to dinner with my clients. And um, it's so intimate that honestly, um, uh, we don't necessarily have the same sort of social interaction with our clients. But but we've they're very sticky because they know know, I mean, at, we're really living into that fiduciary standard, that we're putting their interests first, that we are co-creating um, the life they want to have. Um, so, so, there's, um, so they stay. Um, um, they, they, they come to the conclusion that nobody else is going to understand them as, um, as well as us, even if they've got assets held elsewhere. Um, often the decision is, hey, we need to move the rest of our assets to Omega because they really get the whole picture, not whereas our other advisor doesn't. That's the practical piece. The profound piece is, is being able to see people total, to really live into their fullest lives. Um, it's just more interesting work. And, and you know, truth be told, as, as you guys probably know, um, in the Colby world of assessments, I'm what's called a quick start. 
So I get bored when everything's the same all the time. And so what's fun about this work is that when you, you get to this, the personal part of people and, and, and pivoting with changes and evolutions that are happening in their lives and then figuring out how do we make the money work, it's much more interesting work as a result than it would be if all we did was review the portfolio and do our annual review and you know, everything looks fine and good luck see you in a year. So it's, it's rewarding work. We're really making a difference. And practically, I think um, the client relationships are really strong. We're actually having a 20th anniversary client celebration this weekend. Um, and we're going to have about, um, I think about 77 folks there and they're so excited. And one of our clients actually volunteered, longtime client, she wants to speak at um, just completely volunteered that she wanted to speak at the event. So that says a lot. Isn't that sweet? I, we were just really touched by that. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's, that's very cool. Yeah, that's neat. So, so you, um, not that everybody is a Colby quick start, but, but you, you've talked about like what Julie talks about, about you getting more engaged in it because it's more interesting work. And, and you've talked also about, um, uh, because you, because people understand that you get them so well, that it helps you attract assets. Has well, this yeah, also I mean, because made it different we live, for you um, in and terms I didn't of say this in the introduction. Um, I'm in the Washington DC area, Steve, and there are, as many people may know, there are a lot of financial advisors, financial planners, investment advisors, financial advisors. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of noise. It's hard to distinguish yourself. And one of the things that we did pretty early on is that we were looking for, how could we have a bit of a niche so that we could stand out? Um, and so I think it has helped us. Now, that means that there's going to be a whole group of clients who just want their portfolio managed or they just want to plan one and done and they're out of here. That's fine. They're not our best client. And we're fine with that. And we that's not our best work. Um, and so, um, yes, I do think it helps us reach some unique clients. I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, uh, we've certainly over the years um, attracted a number of business owners where the vast majority of their assets is tied up in the business. Maybe they've got, you know, a $300,000, $200,000 401k. So to most advisors, they don't look like a very attractive client, but maybe they have a $10 million business. Um, that's a great client for us. And we can talk a little bit about the business model that supports that. Um, but it has helped us attract a group of clients that really could use help, complicated situation, integrating the personal and the business, and they don't really have anywhere else to go. Another example would be um, we've recently had two young inheritors come to us, both in their 20s, um, women, young women. Um, totally blind off the internet, did some, they did searches like sudden money and got to us or sudden wealth. And uh, one of them's got, um, going to inherit um, before taxes about 3 million. The other one's already inherited maybe about 1.2. Um, the work we can do with them is amazing. Um, yes, they have assets that would be attractive to most advisors, but there's some really unique issues around inheritance and transition uh, given how they uh, receive the monies. Well, let me ask you about that, because you mentioned this earlier uh, about people finding you blind on the Internet, which just is such a different way. Can you talk to us about why that's happening? Um, well, it, I, I think there's a couple of reasons that it's happened. Um, one is, you know, like a lot of people, if you're in a big um, urban area, um, we have a couple of magazines um, that do top financial advisor lists where they're either peer voted on. I mean, most of them are peer, peer voted on. And um, so uh, about... 
five years ago, we started to make those lists along with some of our other, um, you know, pe people that we really respect. And then what I learned from one of my colleagues, a um, very smart man, um, he said, what you need to do is like one of the magazines they have, you can, you know, go online, like after the magazine has published, you can go online um, and search for an advisor if you're, you know, somebody out in the public. Um, if you pay $250 a month, your profile, the advisor's profile, actually goes to the top of the list. And as a K, because um, it's actually done by individual advisors, I'd never be found, you know, unless they were looking for somebody in my city or whatever. Um, that single thing that we did, um, every we ask every person who comes to us how they found us. Um, almost always that's the starting point. And then what they do is, and this is important for all of your listeners to hear, they go to my website. So you need yep. to know they are going to your website before they ever call or email you. And then they go there and either, you know, like the ones that we hear from, of course, they resonated with what they saw for whatever reason. I'm a woman. They saw that we deal with people with sudden wealth. They are in transition. They're a business owner. They're whatever. Um, and then they contact us. Um, at the info at Omega Wealth Management. I mean, it's crazy. Um, and then, so then we screen them. And, you know, to be clear, we have ended up with a few what we would call validators. That's not our best client. Validators are folks who their spouses said, hey, if you're going to retire, you got to come in and get some, you got to talk to a planner because I'm not sure about this, but they're a one and done kind of client. Um, that's not a great fit. And so we have to screen a little harder because not everybody is coming. We do get referrals and we're getting more and we've been working um, proactively on that. But um, we've got to screen a little bit harder maybe than with a referral because they may just be a validator. Right. So uh, there's a couple of things you, you mentioned. And I, uh, um, well, first of all, you've, you've clearly got this process, a very in-depth process. Not everybody's a good fit. Does that mean that you say, um, sorry, we're, we're not right for you if someone doesn't want to go through this deeper process? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if they're not willing to okay. to engage and at least go along for the ride, you know, sometimes one spouse is more engaged than the other, but, it, but if they're not willing to go through our standard process, which we certainly adapt, you know, um, as circumstances arise, um, then yeah, they're not going to be a good fit because what's going to happen, Julie, on the back end is they're not going to see the value. And and we do charge a retainer fee with a lower assets under management fee. And so it's really transparent. It's not hidden. And so they've got to see the value or we're going to be hearing from them saying, eh, I'm not sure I want to keep spending the money. So yeah, let's, can, I was just going to say, well, Julie, I'm talk, sure you're going oh, the go same ahead. place. You know, Can we talk a little bit about that, Lisa? Can we talk a little, because I know on your site, there are uh, a few different... Um, a few different kinds of services, a few different levels. And so can you tell us a little bit more about how you how you charge, what the combination of things is? Yeah. And um, so it's it's not as complicated as it sounds. So um, generally, I mean, we charge an annual, um, it's not the right word, but annual retainer fee, annual planning fee that is paid in quarterly payments. And then if the client is bringing assets to us, they are not obligated to. Um, and by the way, that fee is based on investable net worth. So not overall net worth, investable net worth uh, with a little bit of complexity uh, addition as needed. And then a smaller assets under management fee, 35 basis points for most clients, unless they're really super ultra high net worth. And then we're going to negotiate that down. Um, and on purpose, we want to we want to compete against the Fidelities and the Schwabs on the investment management piece, but bring a lot more to the to the, you know, to the value there. Um, 
whether they're a transition client or whether they are a um, just a traditional financial life planning client, we often have the the same fee model. But I will say that we've had a couple situations like where we've just we just got um, um, a new prospective client, business owner, going to be selling her business next year for seventy to one hundred and twenty million. Not even sure how do we put a fee on this. Um, but we we end up saying we're going to start at twenty five thousand. Um, but I reserve the right to come back if it's a lot more complex than I think and we will you know raise the fee and then we will renegotiate it on the backside so we we do um we, we've got some flexibility there and then and but the, what's the difference really is not so much the fees steve it's the process behind what they're going to get a transition client follows a different process than one of our um our what we would call life wealth integrator our traditional financial life planning approach clients would get and could, can, I just like to drill down into this a little bit and get a little more specific. You you were talking about investable net worth, and how do you define investable net worth? Yeah. So, and that's where it gets tricky with business owners. Um, yeah. Easier with yeah, stock options because you know when we've got corporate stock, we're going to count that into um, into the invest. I mean, it, basically anything that is an investment or cash. Whereas we're not including the house or other real estate. We're generally not including the value of the business. But like with this new business owner who's coming on board, I had to put some sort of premium because her investment assets are under a million dollars. So that would have been a seventy five hundred dollar fee, and that's just not. I mean, I already can see the complexity and the demands that are going to be required. So we quoted a completely different fee for her because we know that there's going to be a lot more work. And and is that common for your entrepreneurial edge offering that that or is that calculated a different way? Yeah, that's that's well, um, that is calculated a little differently because what's in entrepreneur entrepreneurial edge for a business owner is that we're going to take them through the traditional financial life planning process for them personally and their spouse or whatever. Um, but then we're also going to come in and we're going to do some some high level work around um, where what, what kind of business do they have? Um, you know, is it is a lifestyle business? Is it an asset business that they want to sell? Um, we have some different sort of almost life planning questions we do for business owners about their business. We would do a Colby consult with their management team. And then we offer um, one hour of coaching each month to the entrepreneur, um, you know, which to help reinforce and support the integration. And so it's a, com- that is really a different offering and it's a higher fee level. Okay. okay. Really valuable. Wow. That's, that's yeah. amazing. So, hey, let's talk a bit more about the, the transition. So, We've we've had Susan on on the podcast, but you yeah. are a certified financial transitionist. So maybe just a brief intro to to what that means, because I think one of the really powerful things is uh, so many advisors talk about transition. I mean, use that word, but you have the certification behind it. So what prompted you to get that, and what does that mean for you and your clients? Yeah, so I actually have been um, affiliated and part of the um, Sudden Money Institute community, Susan's community, since 2004. That was actually the first life planning training I did. Mm-hmm. And then I did George Kinder's training the next year and became a registered life planner. So, um, and then now, as Susan's work has evolved and she's created this designation and a whole lot of process and tools and and 
uh, certified training, I've participated in that and got that designation. Um, so, so I think that, yes, there's lots of people um, who work with clients in transition, money in motion. Um, so, so what you have to understand, and again, this may be a little repetitive, is that there, in any transition, there is the personal and the technical side of the transition. Um, and there's many advisors out there who are prepared to deal with the technical side, but have no clue how to deal with let's call it the emotional side, the personal side of transition. Um, understanding the stages of transition is really important. Understanding what happens in those stages, the emotional sort of things that bubble up for people, both positive and negative. Um, and then understanding that you have to, your process has to be completely different um, working with somebody who is in um, a major uh, life transition. So just as an example, um, we actually... Um, we, we just recently have lost a couple of clients and we're dealing with their significant others. And, and by the way, these are not like old, old clients. These are some interesting stories. But um, so the pace changes. Um, how much they can take in their cognitive capabilities may have um, temporarily changed, diminished a bit. Um, so you can't tackle as many topics as you might have been able to tackle last year in the, the review with them. Um, so there's a lot of skills and sensitivities and changes in process that you have to be able to integrate, um, which is challenging, by the way. Clients in transition, it's not a straight through process because sometimes they're really stuck and you just have to hang out and wait for them to be unstuck before you can continue moving forward. And that's what's great about our model, our business model, is that I, we get paid while we wait for the clients. Um, and, you know, sometimes, depending on your business model, you can't get paid until you get the client to take action. But when they're in transition, they can be changing quite a bit, um, not sure, not ready to take action. And so this, we're really, we've got the the, the process, we've got the tools, we've got the sensibilities and the skills to, to meet clients where they are in, you know, really significant kinds of transitions. Now, Lisa, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about that transition because, you know, Julie and I are all about the niche. Yep. And you were talking about all the different kinds of transitions that you help people through. And, and we talked about um, losing a spouse, getting an inheritance, going through a divorce, uh, selling a business. From from um, help me understand. To me, they sound like radically different kinds of transitions, and and they would it would seem to suggest that it, they require sort of different kinds of processes. How how do you how do you reconcile all that, and and have a model around such different situations? Yeah, I think that's a really good question, Steve. So so for some people, um, depending on the kind of transition, retirement or selling a business may, I mean, definitely has emotions with it, but can be a little bit more straightforward, which allows us to lean more on our traditional financial life planning process. But losing a spouse, um, going through divorce, um, uh, a, a medical settlement, we've had um, a, a client who received a medical settlement, there's some real emotional issues about that, you know, a, a legal settlement because of a medical issue. Um, there are some differences, but the skills are quite similar. Um, and we can lean on our two systems and processes 
policies. And we, we you know, part of um, what Susan Bradley would tell you is that you've got this um, this quiver that you're carrying around in your back, and you've got all these different arrows um, that you could pull out depending on where the client is. And the real skill in transition planning is knowing where is the client, what do they need now, um, and which is the right thing to do. And so that really, if you've got the baseline skills and a variety of tools, you can you can deal with each of these different groups um, because you understand at the deepest level sort of what the impact of transition is. And then it's just a matter of, okay, well, this is business, so these are some of the things we need to bring in, or this is divorce. Um, again, not our favorite. We'd rather be on the back end of that one. Um, so so it's, it's actually not as hard as it seems, but you have to have that baseline set of skills and tools um, and, you know, a couple of processes that you can lean on um, to, to navigate it. So, is it. so it's fascinating to me how the, the core skills that you need are so unique in these situations, right? And I know that's a lot of the training and, and it, it seems connected to what you've written about. You wrote the book mm-hmm. on it the, and you called it the five essential skills of an exceptional financial advisor, um, authenticity, deep listening, empathy, non-judgment, curiosity. Can you, t- are those some of those skills that you're talking about? Maybe you can take us through those essential skills um, yeah. and what they mean. Well, you know, I think, yeah, I mean, in a, in a client, I'm working with a transition client. I mean, the first thing, obviously, is that, you, and let me just say that these five skills are going to help you build, um, you know, build deep trust, um, I think, uh, build a, um, a better connection um, and, and are going to help ultimately with better implementation of whatever the plan or the recommendation. And um, if you're working with somebody in transition, I mean, they're, they're, they're fragile. Um, they need somebody they can trust. Um, and, and as human beings, we tend to, we're going to trust somebody more if we think they're showing up authentically. If they're showing up and there seems to be an affect or an air about them or there's a disconnect that, you know, most of us as human beings can feel, maybe not identify what it is. Uh, that's really the first step is that you need to show up authentically. And if with a client in transition, that might mean sometimes there's a little bit of emotion there. There's a lot of sensitivity um, that you're, you're meeting them where they are and you are authentically there as a person, a human being. The deep listening is absolutely critical, not only in the traditional financial life planning work we do, um, but certainly with anybody in transition. They need to be heard. Um, we, Our widower client was just in last week, and he needed to just talk to us, really walk us through what he was going through and how the process, the experience had been. Even if we hear him say things again, you know, multiple times, it, they just need to talk. And, um, you know, it all depends on the transition that they're going through, how much of that that deep listening they need from us. But everybody really needs that. Um, and then the empathy, just really trying to connect with what must it be like? Um, the, the client that the that um, we, we just heard about this past weekend, um, honestly committed suicide. And I'm working with her, yeah, it's her estranged um, spouse at this point. And it, there's just a lot of emotion and just being able to sit and empathize with the complexity of the situation um, is absolutely critical and I know is really appreciated. Um, and then, you know, non-judgment and curiosity, I think are the hardest ones for most financial advisors because um, we are taught to be, you know, that we're the experts, right? So there's a bit of a we're right and you're wrong. 
you're coming to us because we are going to tell you how it should be. And being able to let go of that, because most of us don't want to be judged. And, and if we're feeling judged, we're more likely to not share the information that really our advisor needs to hear. Um, so it's, it's so critical in that trust building that they feel they can say anything we're going to hear them. We're not going to make a judgment about they should have done this or they should have done that. Because often when you're in a big transition, especially you've lost a spouse or maybe divorce, you sometimes don't make what would seemingly be the optimal decision that a financial planner would recommend you make. I'll just say it like that. Um, right? Um, right. And yet we need to, we are always saying, hey, non-judgment, we're, we're not judging you here. You know, we want to just figure out what's going to work for you. Um, and then finally, um, curiosity. So, you know, we, we're, we're all curious. Planners want to know lots of things. We like to, you know, Steve, you'll remember this from the olden days of selling, you know, probe, you need to probe your prospect. Well, who wants to be who wants to be probed? Yep, Nobody wants sure. to be probed. I don't want to be probed in the dentist, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's even worse. Right, and, exactly. and so, uh, you know, um, how do we find out <laughs> what we need to find out without setting up judgment? And so we um, part of the training I've done with other advisors and I do with my own team is how do we ask why without asking why? Um, and we use things like, tell me more about, it. I'm curious about, it. I'm wondering about, it. and we actually use it with each other. We use it with clients. Um, being able to be curious without judgment um, is critical. And I think when we're working with people in transition where there is often a little bit more emotion, a little more sensitive, sensitivity, all these skills are especially important. And likewise, when we're getting into these deep life planning questions, um, bringing all of these skills to bear is really the absolute most important thing. The questions don't matter as much as the listening and, and the tools don't matter as, as much as really being authentically there without judgment and, and really being able to open up the conversation. So Lisa, you, you know, because this is a podcast about being referable, um, we wanted to ask you this, but also you'd brought up before that you're working on, um, working on developing more referrals. Can you tell us a little bit about how this, these business models and how you do this affects the referrals that you get and what kinds of things you're working on to, to get more? Well, you know, I think one of the things that I've realized is, I mean, uh, we had, we've been getting some referrals, but not as many as we wanted from clients. And, and as I think we all know, um, somebody who is coming as a warm um, lead or introduction um, is probably going to be more sticky. And, you know, it's going to be a little easier to explain who we are, or at least generally. Our clients sometimes struggle trying to explain, you know, what we do exactly, but they're at least passionate about it. So that helps. And so what we're trying to do is develop a little more structured process for checking in with clients to find out who who would be um, would be interested in referring. Um, and it's opened up some beautiful conversations. We've already gotten several, one new client um, and another lead. We've got somebody we're working on, a couple of people we're working on bringing in in the next uh, month or so just to talk with them. And so um, having a more structured process, it's a little uncomfortable, but I'm getting with the program. Um, and, <laughs> um, and, you know, and it's beautiful. The clients and, and what we're finding, here's what we're finding, um, Steve and Julie, is that in fact our clients are referring us to people, but they're, the clients are not making it into us. And so we're really trying to set up, hey, it would be better if you could make an email introduction because we know that, you know, they don't know us as well as you and, and, and they, you know, this is all different and new for them. And so if you could help make an introduction, then we can go from there. And so one of my clients beautifully did that a couple of days ago. And so now I'm in dialogue to set up a, a call at a meeting. Um, 
So, so we're trying to sort of retrain them. First of all, open up the possibility, figure out which clients are the ones who are going to refer other people and which ones aren't. So we won't spend time asking them about referrals and then helping to train them around um, how to do it more effectively so that we have a chance of um, seeing those, those prospective clients reach out to us. Well, and, and, and what you just mentioned, you know, that, that's something that Julie has found in her research. What, what is it, Julie, that something the advi- average advisor is being referred about seven times more than they think? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, about 36% of clients say they refer. Yeah. Uh, and Versus and, the 4% yeah, that advisors right. report that's getting. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's, it's not uncommon. But I think, yeah, what you're touching on is it, how to transition that to an introduction starts to, because once they're with you, right, once right. presumably you're talking to them, then there, there's a, you know, the likelihood of working together just increases so much. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's terrific. Well, hey, look, I, I mean, that's probably a, a great place to wrap up since we're, we've uh, we've tied it back to referrals quite nicely there, I thought. Uh, so good, good on us. <laughs> Yeah, We're getting yeah, good at this, Julie, aren't we? Um, so, Lisa, <laughs> thank you so much. I mean, the work you do is so impressive. Thank you, Lisa. And it was great to, to have you on today. Appreciate I appreciate it. the opportunity to talk with the two of you and um, appreciate the work you're doing for the whole profession. Hey, folks, Steve again. Thanks for joining us on Becoming Referrable. If you like what you've been hearing, please do us a favor and rate us on iTunes. It really helps. You can get all the links, show notes, and other tidbits from these episodes at becomingreferrable.com. You can also get our free report, Three Referral Myths That Limit Your Growth, and connect with our blogs and other resources. So until next time, so long.